Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. the redneck tech podcast presented by diamondback covers i uh, if i sound a little hoarse or sound a little funny it's probably because everybody in my house is sick and i've uh, been up trying to get a bunch of things done i uh, got a couple of podcasts out the last couple of days with tim Insley and chris Irwin. not sure when this one will go out i don't know when i will have time to run it through audition and get it all cleaned up and pretty sounding but um yeah, I've been taking care of sick kids today, trying to get a couple of uh, house cleaning things done. When I mean house cleaning, I don't mean actual house cleaning. I mean uh, cleaning up some uh, files, some hard drives, you know, looking at what my current status is on hard drives I've already got, seeing when I need to order some more, uh, all that good stuff, all the stuff that I try and stay on top of um, throughout the year. And we're about to crank up and doing some different projects and new stuff and got a couple of uh loose ends I've tried to tie up and all that you know all those great cliche things that you tell people when they call and you tell them they're busy well that's what I've been doing so uh finally got decompressed from ATA show Uh, I think shot show is finally ending I didn't have to go to that one thank god because that's a godforsaken place uh looks like there's some new stuff coming out that I'm interested in looking at on the hunting side, on the gun side, and all that good stuff. Um, went and packed the truck up. Thought I was going to get go duck hunting with my, one of my buddies. And we got a report that there were no ducks. So we packed our crap up. And we are not going duck hunting. So I'm here with sick kids, which is probably the better thing is to be here and help with the wife who's uh, 37 weeks pregnant. Yeah, we've got our third kid will be here in a couple of weeks. It's nuts am i ready for it i wasn't ready for the first two either so you know what else i mean honestly i've already got two i know three is going to be a, a huge you know even more crazy than it already is which i don't see how that's possible but anyway i digress got a really good question that i've been wanting to kind of hit on and i finally had time to sit down uh actually right after you asked me the question which was several days ago and essentially you know, because, you know, once I'll start talking to somebody on social media and I ask them, you know, well, what's something that you want to hear about or what's something you wouldn't mind me talking about it, you know, talking about or something. And um, a buddy of mine named Travis, uh, who I've talked to about the podcast a couple of times, who I've got to meet in person a couple of times, actually the last two years ATA shows, I think the only two times me and him have ever got to really talk any. But, you know, he said that he's got some guys that do some stuff with him and, uh, he just feels like he wants to try and work on, you know, upping production value or essentially kind of, in my in in my opinion, is crossing the crossing over between a cameraman to a producer because those are two totally different things. And he says that sometimes he feels like, you know, a cameraman or you know. How how can he you know how can he be a producer? How can he teach his guys to be more of a producer than a cameraman? Because there is a disparity between the two. There's a very distinct difference, and um, it's something that I had to learn too. 
and for anybody out there listening, you know, producers are guys that, you know, are professionals that do this for a living. We don't like being called cameramen because you can teach anybody to run a camera. Being a producer is a little bit more involved than that. Um, but I feel like it's a really good topic because I've talked about this a lot and I talk about this at all of my camera schools and all of my production classes that I do. And anytime I, you know, get in depth or in a conversation with somebody is what is the difference in a cameraman and a producer? Well, first of all, we got to define what those things are. A cameraman is essentially what I call somebody that takes a camera that probably doesn't know that camera inside and out, that doesn't know how to run it in manual, that doesn't know how to use all the functions, that doesn't know how to go through the menu. They know how to turn it on and point it at somebody and hit the red button. That's a cameraman. That Normally a cameraman is somebody that vomits through the lens. And when I say they vomit through the lens, they pick up the camera, they point it at whatever they're supposed to be filming, and they just film everything. And that can be good, and that can be bad, because most of the time when they film everything, they film everything from the same height, the same angle, and the same distance. Most of the time it's a medium shot, waist, waist to the top of the head, usually way too much headroom because they don't understand framing, but it's usually the same looking shot the whole time. They don't understand how to get tight, how to get wide. They don't understand the reasons for those things. They don't understand framing. They don't understand depth of field. They don't understand how to coach your subject. They don't understand how to get the best out of your talent. You know, if you have an idea of, hey, I think it would have been better said this way or whatever, they are literally a monkey with a camera. That's what a cameraman is. What is a producer? Well, a producer is somebody that, in essence of the word, is producing. They are making things happen. They are creating content. They are creating stories. They are getting the most out of their talent, the most out of their gear, the most out of the situation, the most out of the time, the most out of the, the shoot, the most out of their, you know, their helpers, the most out of everything. Because, you know, when we're doing our job and we're out there and the weather's changing or the light's changing or the animals aren't cooperating, if you are not producing content, if you are not telling a story and you're just standing there holding the camera, well, it's going to show when you get down to sit down to edit. And those camera guys I was talking about, editors hate those guys because those because those camera guys are the ones that just assume that you can fix everything in editing. And you can't. You can clean some things up, but in my opinion, 80% of a really, really good show is done in the field. A really good editor can only do so much with really crappy footage. But if you give him all the basic puzzle pieces and you give him everything he needs, he can make the story you told even better. So it starts just like a good picture starts with a good image before you start editing it. The same thing happens with a good story or a good show, or a good web show, or a good film. It all starts with really good production in the field, and then a good editor on the back end. There are a couple of things that set the cameraman and the producer apart, other than what I've already just said. A producer films with a purpose. And when I say films with a purpose, most stuff out there today is pretty. And it's got some really beautiful shots. 
and it's got some uh, high speed, it's got some drone, it maybe has a time lapse or two, and all those things are great. Don't get me wrong. And I think you know how to, and you need to know how to do all those things. But you also need to understand what those things are used for and how you use them in the scope of a production. When you put a bunch of pretty shots to good music, that's not telling a story. That's a music video. There are There is so much more to telling a story than getting pretty shots and to getting a really cool drone shot or a really cool time lapse or a really cool sunset. And when I say film with a purpose, this is why I recommend anybody that wants to get serious about this and wants to improve their shooting and their production, learn how to edit. And when I say learn how to edit, I don't necessarily mean learn how to use the program. Learning how to use the program is not that hard. If you're technical, technically savvy or not, if you know how to use YouTube, you can learn how to run the program. Which, And when I say program, I run Adobe Premiere. If you've listened at all, you know that that's what I run, but learn how to learn the process of editing. And when I say the process of editing, once you can understand how shots go together, how to fill in gaps, how to keep up on show pace, how to insert um, scenics, how to speed a story up, how to slow a story down, how to um, make someone feel with a certain song, how to get in and out of a scene, how to transition from one place to another seamlessly. Once you can understand that in editing, oh my gosh, it will make your shooting not only 10 times better, but 10 times easier. Because when you're in the field, you're not going to be that guy vomiting through the camera lens. You are going to be shooting only the things that you know that you're going to need. Because if you're in editing or you have the editor's mindset, you're filming, you're, you're shooting things and you're editing in, you're editing it, blah, I can't talk. You're editing it in your head as you're shooting. You're so much more um, effective. You're so much, uh, you, you use your time that much better. And you can be creative. You know, that's another thing. It goes back to way early, early podcasts when I talked about if you want to get good at, you know, running a camera, the first thing you need to do is know your camera backwards and forwards. That way you can focus on being creative, listening to your talent and producing content. But now it's gotten even further past that process to where you want to get even better is you have to know the editing process. So you need to know your camera back and front. That way you can produce, you can listen to your talent, you can create cool content, all those good things, but then you need to know the editing process, and it will cut down on your shooting, oh my gosh, I would say 70%. You will shoot 70% less stuff, 70% less crap that's never going to see the light of day just because you understand how to edit. I cannot stress how important it is to learn how to edit. That is also the quickest way to get a job in this industry is being a hunter that knows how to edit. And again, I'm going to say it again, and I've said it a hundred times, knowing how to edit isn't knowing how to use the program. It's knowing how to tell a story with that program and with those shots that you've gotten and understanding the process and the psychology. And it's, it's, it's an involved process. It's not, if I can learn it, and this is when people say, well, it's too hard, or, you know, that, that program scares me, or, you know, I don't have time to edit, or I can't look at a computer for that long. Trust me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because I am, I have no patience. I have, you know, 
when I first opened, uh, which it was Final Cut 7 before I went to Premiere, when I first opened that program, there's, I told myself as soon as I saw it and saw all those buttons and watched somebody else edit that knew what they're doing, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to run that program. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Trust me, you can do it. Go shoot some stuff, pull it in and start cutting, screw it up, export it, let somebody watch it, let them tear it apart, do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. Literally, I, I sat with a guy when I was learning Final Cut 7. I sat with him for two days for four hours each day. For, so for over eight hours, I learned how to use the program. That's how I learned how to edit. This was probably ten years ago. And uh, after that eight hours, he looked at me. He said, all right, that's all you need. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't know how to edit. And I was like, I was like he goes, you know the basic shortcuts. You know how to get footage in. Now go out and shoot some stuff and just start cutting. He's like, you're never going to learn until you just start doing it. And that's what I did. I went for three and a half years, filmed whoever had let me go for free, brought the footage back, put it in an editing program, and tried to cut it up and thought I knew what I was doing. I did not know what I was doing. It took me a lot longer than three and a half years. It took me sitting down and learning and you know paying attention from people that knew what they were doing which is, in essence, the exact same reason I'm doing this podcast is those people gave me their knowledge, and I feel like I should be able to give my knowledge, and I enjoy the teaching part of it, but got off track again. Um, knowing when you're in the field how to get from one place to another, essentially what's called a transition or a transition shot, and how how can you, how can I hide an edit? So... In order to be able to hide an edit when you're editing, you've got to have either some B-roll or supporting footage that is relevant to what's going on. And when I say that, you know, what is B-roll? Or what, you know, what are certain shots? So what is B-roll? The shot, B-roll can be a lot of different things. B-roll can be, um, you know, shots to cover edits. They, uh, they can be shots of leaves blowing, they can be, oh gosh, you know, tight shots of hands, tight, tight shots of eyes, they can be, you know, wide shots of a big open field, they can be your drone shots, which, you know, are kind of, you know, I, I usually use as kind of a scenic or something, but B-roll can be anything that is relevant to the story, whether that's spoken dialogue, whether that's interviews, whether that's in the field interviews or whatever it may be. And B-roll, and you can never have enough of it because B-roll can make or break a story or make or break a show pace because if you don't have enough, you can't speed a story up or slow a story down. Sometimes when you're editing, you need to speed up a story or slow a story down. A lot of times when I would edit long form, you know, which is long form is a TV show, 30-minute show, there's a lot of pace changes throughout that show. And like with The Habit, when I would edit The Habit, that show was so fast. Sometimes it would get to the point where it was so fast you'd have to slow it down. And there's a lot of ways of doing that. But you have to have B-roll to support your ability to be able to do that. An example of B-roll. Say you're filming an interview driving down the road. Say you're going to the tree stand and you're filming your hunter going to the, down the road. And you know he's, you, you know, you, you get your camera up, you get it framed focused, exposed, hit record and say, okay, rolling. And, you know, he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's, 
it's November the 10th and we're rolling to the tree stand and you know we've got a really strong north wind today we've been waiting on this north wind you know it's not it, it's it's well, I can't I'm trying to fake an interview and I can't even think but you know for instance so I just I screwed the interview up okay well, all right you just you just stopped you just told me that it was a really good north wind and you've been waiting on that tell me about what happened yesterday okay well, yesterday we had this really good deer come in. Blah, blah. Okay, so I went through this interview. of I've been filming this guy in this front seat of the truck. Well, he told me that, the, you know, it's November the 6th or 10th. I don't even remember what I said. You know, and it's got, we've got a really strong north wind. He screwed up. I got him to pick back up. And he talked about a deer that they saw that we saw yesterday. Okay, so what do I need in order to represent you know, time of year, November, what can I do to represent the north wind? What can I do to something to cover up that screw up that I'm going to have to splice the other half of the interview together? And then what can I, what can I use to cover where he's talking about that deer? Because anytime somebody says something in an interview or in a dialogue, you need footage to support it. So in essence, for the November, I would get a shot of, you know, pretty fall leaves if we were in the Midwest. If for the strong north wind, just get a shot of wind blowing somehow, whether that's leaves blowing, whether that's dust flying, you know, whatever the case may be. All right, he screwed up. Well, I get a tight shot of his hands on the steering wheel, keys in the ignition, you know, his Yeti in the seat, you know, the cup holder of the truck. That one or two shots covers up that screw up and seamlessly goes with the deer that we saw yesterday, which I have footage of from yesterday, and I put that over that. And... In editing, now there's no screw-up. But if I don't have those supporting shots, I can't clean up that interview in the post-process. So it, it's, it's so it's so important to have it, to hide edits, to speed up, to slow down. Um, another thing that you need to... Uh, another thing that you need to worry about... Not really worry about. Another thing that sets apart a producer for camera gant from a cameraman is the pre-production process and when i say pre-production i've talked about this is w are you planning or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and i'm also aware that some people do do better flying by the seat of the pants but have you even tried doing some pre-production when i say pre-production you know kind of the what i'm going to when i say that i mean all right what are we doing all right we're going on a, a whitetail hunt what story were we trying to tell? We've been chasing this one whitetail for three years, and we've got a long history with him. How are we getting there? Well, we're driving from Georgia to Kansas, you know, and I'm answering these basic questions. So we're driving. Is that important to the story? Well, that's a long drive from Georgia to, you know, Kansas. What is this for? Is it for a web show? Is it for a TV show? It's for a web show. Well, how much of this driving am I actually going to show? How much of this is actually going to, you know, make it? You know, so keep that in mind. There's no sense in filming the entire drive if you know you're never going to use it. Then um, what are some creative elements? Well, if you know that you're not going to get to use a whole lot of the driving, why don't you do some really creative things for those driving shots? Do some in-car, in you know, time lapses. Find a rural road. Fly the drone. You know, there's, gosh, man, it's if you sit down and plan some things, there's some really cool stuff that you can do. Anytime you want to see some really cool travel stuff, 
the Heartland Bowhunter guys do the travel better than anybody because they don't really usually show a ton of it, but what they do show is always really creative. Um, and there's ways that you can do things differently. You know, try to try to get outside the box, or if you if you have to stay inside the box, do it a little bit. You know, do it better. You know, I like to you know change angles, go low or high, something that. I'm not used to seeing. Get a, try and get away from your standard, you know, show, you know, chest to top of the head shot in a truck. Try to, you know, when you get out and you film somebody pumping gas, instead of filming them pumping gas from the, you know, the truck, you know, climb up on top of something and look down on them. You know, I like to set my camera down on the ground and get the, you know, the ground perspective sometimes. It's just a different look. It's a different, you know, different eye level. You know, and that's that's the difference between doing, being a producer and a camera guy is looking for different ways of doing things. Um, going back to what I said about shooting, you know, what a lot of camera guys do or what I'll see a lot of productions doing now is producing a lot of pretty stuff. Shooting pretty stuff isn't hard if you're out in the field as much as we are. They're gonna ha- you're gonna have some really pretty sunsets and sunrises. You're gonna see some really pretty things when you're out in the woods. If you've got a camera that does high speed or you understand, you know, depth of field and focal length and, um, you know, how to rack focus, you can get some really pretty stuff. That's not hard. You have to get the basic elements of a story. What are the basic elements of a story? Well, I've talked about this before. There is a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that sounds simple enough, but there has to be shots to support beginning, middle, and end. There are ways of demonstrating this. And when you're going, and this is this is one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, and I try and do this on all shoots now, no matter what they are, is go out your shot or your shoot or your show or your web show or your commercial or whatever. Go at it to where you will never have to need interviews or voiceover. And what do I mean by that? Don't be in the field and assume you're going to shoot interviews afterwards or you're going to get voiceover afterwards. Tell the story in the field as it happens. Get people to set things up. Get people to tell me where are we, what are we doing, where did we just come from, why are we doing this. Ask that question from behind the camera and get them to tell you on camera. Well, you know, it's our third day, you know, we or we just got done eating and we're, you know, we're going to take a nap before we... Go back out this afternoon. What I don't care what it is. I don't care if they repeat themselves. If you watch the, uh, any of the shows that I did or used to do or any of the stuff I'm doing now, which is some of most of it still hadn't came out, there are people constantly talking to the camera. Well, the great thing about that is I don't have to use it all. I can speed this show up. I can slow the show down. All of those things, and I always have the information. You have to assume your viewer is stupid. Tell them who, what, when, where, why, and whether every chance you get. Creating content, telling a story, beginning, a middle, and an end. If you do that, you don't have to use interviews or voiceover. The only time I use interviews or voiceover is if they improve the story or do a better job of the storytelling than than happened in the field. That doesn't happen all the time. In the case of The Habit, we did the interviews because they added to the value of the show. The guys were so funny, and, and the rapid-fire interviews and the way they, the banter between them, it worked. 
But if you're shooting interviews because you think you have to shoot interviews, then stop shooting interviews. Because if you can produce a show with no interviews, that's the way to do it. That means you're telling a good story in the field. If you don't, and nobody likes voiceover, if I watch one more quote-unquote short film in the outdoor video space that is all B-roll and voiceover, Jesus Christ, tell a story in the field. It is not hard. Talk to the camera or find a second person to be in the shoot that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of if you don't want to look at the camera. Well, some people don't like looking at the camera. Well, guess what? If you want to be the guy on camera, you better have somebody else to talk to if you don't want to talk to the camera or have a terrible show. That's also my opinion, but that's that's just how I feel. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is don't, don't like which I already kind of talked about it. Don't get stuck in a rut. A lot of guys watch certain videos and watch certain productions, and they like what they see, um, but they aren't really watching it. They're not understanding or interpreting what they're seeing. So if you're watching something and you're enjoying what you're seeing and you like it, you know some people that aren't producers or aren't you know aren't you know outdoor or video people. They don't they you put two shows in front of somebody. One has a really good story, great production value, and you put another one that's really pretty with a great, you know, with a good song or something. They're probably going to pick the one that's got the better story with the dialogue and all those things. They don't know why. They don't understand the difference in production in one and the other. They just know they like it better. So, next time you're watching something that you really like or you really enjoy that tells a great story, watch it five and six times. I used to do this all the time. I would watch shows. I would have a notes. I would have a notepad where I would count how many shots there were in the scene. I would, you know, count how many B-roll shots there were. I would, you know, time the scenes of how long they were. You know, great, you know, one of the best ones ever was when the, the craze of reality TV came out and how um, successful Duck Dynasty was is you could see the trend in the pace of television by watching that show, is they had 90-second scenes. And they would even name the scenes. And they had a huge gamut of transition shots and establishing shots. And they would have a you know a big wide shot of the uh, where they made the duck calls at their warehouse. They'd have a big wide shot of it, like a, you know, flying in, you'd see the decoys on the roof, and then you would hear you know, sigh or somebody start talking inside, and then boom, you were inside. And then after that 90-second scene was ending, you would have a couple of those crazy little, you know, time lapses they did in the swamp, and then you would see an establishing shot of Phil's house. And then you'd hear, hear Phil start talking, and then boom, you're in the house. Well, that's that's filmmaking or, you know, showmaking 101 is establishing shot of where you're going to, you know, where the scene you're going to, you hear the characters talking underneath that shot, and that subconsciously gets me into the scene. And and that's how that, that changed reality television, because not only were they keeping that show pace up, they were running two storylines in each show, but they were naming the scenes. And every scene alternated between storylines. It's 90 seconds. How hard is it to, you know, to, to produce 90 seconds? Most of them were two cameras. It's, it's absolute the most basic, you know, filming ever. And they would just 
you know, tell a story with it. And they would name their scenes. And I told people, if you want to see how to transition from one thing to another, watch any reality show out there. They're going to have that establishing shot. You're going to hear somebody talking underneath it. Boom, you're in, the sh- you're, you're in there. Get your establishing shots. Get those things that tell the story that get you from one place to the other. Tell the story in the field. Um, when you're breaking down those shows like I did, what I like to watch and what I still watch to this day is what shots are people getting that I'm not getting? What shots are they getting differently than that I'm getting them? What are some creative angles that I can be using that I'm not? What are some things that they're doing that I could do better? Um, now, kind of my thing is, you know, I, I have a love-hate with music, of finding good music and utilizing good music in a, in a, in a you know, a production. Because music's very, very hard. Music's very, very expensive. If you want really good music, it's expensive. Um, I like to see how music makes me feel, how they edit to music, how they don't edit to music, and why they don't. Um, this, you know, the 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 levels of music and why they have a level that's higher than another. That why are, why are commercials always louder than the shows? Is because they want you to pay attention. They want you to you know that kind of shock and all. They want you to look at the screen. There's reasons for all of these things. Um, how how do they use the B-roll and their scenics to push a story along? How do they slow it down? You know, just like I was talking about. Did they use VO or interviews? Did they have to use them? You know, if I can, I've watched a lot of shows where they had interviews and they just said the same thing. In the You know, they said something in the tree stand and then they said in interviews again. Well, they just repeated themselves. Why? You know, why are you doing that? Or why aren't you thinking about that? You know, why, why are you telling me twice? Unless you're telling me better one way than the other, we'll cut one of them out. You know, I, I really think that sitting down and taking notes and watching things that you enjoy, what and it doesn't have to be, trust me, 90% of the inspiration I get now is not in the outdoor world because there are very few out there that are innovating. Because there's only so many ways you can film a deer hunt. There's only so many ways you can film a turkey hunt. The shows that are the better ones are the ones that are either killing bigger animals, have better production, are telling a better story, or have a better social media, I guess. But, that, you know, there's only so many ways you can reinvent the wheel. So I'm, I'm always looking other places. And I've said this and I've hit, hit on this before, but anytime I'm going through Instagram... And I see something design worthy or, you know, graphics that I like or, you know, a production that I like, I'll screenshot it or save it. And I'll email that to, or not email it to myself, I'll upload that to an ideas folder that I have in my Google Drive. And I look at that folder anytime I start editing or, you know, trying to do something in Photoshop or trying to create something, a graphic or something, which I'm not a very good graphics guy, I'm learning. I'll go to that folder and I'll just look through it and I've looked through it a thousand times and I get ideas from it every single time. I've got so many things I want to do, which is not, you know, deer season or hunting season per se right now, but I've got so many things I want to do photography wise and graphics wise and time lapse wise that it's just sitting in that folder waiting for the right opportunity because a lot of times it takes the right opportunity in order to do some of those. 
you know, and I try and draw inspiration from a lot of people that are a heck of a lot smarter and a heck of a lot more creative than I am because there's very few, you know, original ideas out there anymore. They're all, you know, stolen or, you know, copied or made better or made worse a lot of times by other people or other, you know, other shows or other content creators. And I'm not sitting here saying I have any original, you know, crazy over-the-top ideas, but I can take a really good idea from somebody else and I can put my own spin on it. I can be creative with it in my own way. So I think that's what, you know, there's so many shows out there that look a lot like Heartland Bowhunter or try to look like Heartland Bowhunter. Nobody will ever be Heartland Bowhunter. There's a lot of guys out there that will try and be funny. There's a lot of guys that try and be serious. There's a lot of guys that want to just go kill a bunch of stuff. There's some guys that want to be, you know, the good old boys. Well, there's plenty of good old boys. Do something do something different, you know, whether that's have better production, you know, go to, you know, hunt something different. You know, there's you just got to really figure out what that is. But, you know, my advice going back to the very beginning on the cameraman versus producer is the main difference is a producer films with a purpose. He understands the editing process. He understands what B-roll is. He understands what scenics are. He understands how to tell a story. He understands how to um, get his establishing shots. He, has to, he understands the beginning, the middle, and the end. He understands how to tell a story with the camera instead of having to say it every time an interview or voiceover. And that's essentially the basics and to the core of what the difference is. And if you want your production or your filming or whatever to get to that next level, you have to get from being a cameraman to a producer because producers are the ones getting jobs. Cameramen aren't. Cameramen are not getting hired. If they are, they're not around very long. You got. You've got to make that jump, make that leap. But like I said, and I'll say it again, learn how to edit. It is so important and there's such a shortage of editors. But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. This is one that I uh, hope I kind of drove at home the differences and some of the things that you know you need to do to get to that place that you need to be. Um, I felt scattered at times. I was trying to look through my notes and making sure that I hit all the points, but I probably missed something or said something wrong. So apologize but anyway all new on the website I've got a gear page up to where I get questions a lot of times about what I'm running what I'm using well I put up on that gear page all the stuff I'm currently running or have used or trust you can go right to the Amazon link it'll take you right to it um, that way it just simplifies it for me so if you have questions about what I'm using or what I'm running go to the gear page there it is click on it you can buy it straight from that link tube on Amazon if you want to I am working on a camera school. It's looking like the end of March. I've narrowed it towards end of March. Got lots of guys interested in coming. Um, I think what I've gotten figured out, I don't know. Uh, I haven't finalized it yet. Well, I'm not going to say that because I don't know for sure. But end of March, it's going to be kind of an intermediate school. It's not really going to be a beginner school. I've done some beginner schools. And if you're out there and you want a beginner's type school, I'd be more than happy to do that too, but I'm really trying to get into the intermediate and the advanced, you know, production schools because that's what gets my juices flowing too. Um, is the the really in depth technical stuff, even though I don't really know all the technical terms or the technical words, 
I know I know how to do a lot of it, but um, I'm not going to sit here and you know, you know, rattle off a bunch of words that you don't understand. At least I don't think I don't, I don't think I would. But anyway, still working on the camera school. Um, when I know fine, you know, finalize all that, I will let you know. Um, again, if you like the podcast, please, please, please go to iTunes and rate us. Give us a five star rating, por favor. And if you really like it, go on there and give us a review. Um, that helps us get this message and this information out to more guys like you listening. And uh, that's the goal anyway, is to get this out there to as many people as you can, or to as many people as I can. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, um, Instagram is at Redneck Tech Podcast, and email address is Podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, I will uh, see you soon. Oh.